This is Plant-Based Briefing, the fallacy of animal rights versus plastic apparel, why we need to reframe ethics in fashion, part two by Emma Hawkinson at goodonyou.eco. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson. This is the Plant-Based Podcast, where I narrate a variety of articles from experts with their permission in about 10 minutes or less every weekday. I'm thrilled to have permission to share content from goodonyou.eco. And this is the second half of a two-part article. I try to keep each episode to 10 minutes or less every weekday, and this would have been longer, so I read part one yesterday, and today I'm reading part two. So now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. The Fallacy of Animal Rights versus Plastic Apparel, Why We Need to Reframe Ethics in Fashion, part two by Emma Hawkinson at goodonyou.eco. When people are surveyed on what environmental factors matter when they make purchases, They often speak about things like sustainable and recycled materials, durability, and the lack of hazardous chemicals used. But we don't really hear about degrowth. We don't often hear about it because it's not something easily sold or understood. Degrowth. We keep viewing sustainability in fashion through a lens of looking after the environment in the way that is most in line with economic growth. But that's a huge part of the problem because, among other factors, degrowth is a prerequisite to our ever being able to achieve sustainable fashion. And degrowth is about shrinking the fashion industry's scale. It's about decoupling financial growth from fashionable success. In fact, some experts suggest that the industry must reduce in size fourfold in order to stay within planetary boundaries. Perhaps not surprising when we've moved from a fashion industry with four weather based seasons to one with 52 micro seasons, one for each week, if not more. While these critical calls can't be ignored, the term shrinking doesn't sound very appealing. Reframed, degrowth is about allowing more space for longevity, for repairing, for caring for clothes. Degrowth in fashion production means flourishing natural environments and cultural re-engagement with fashion as a kind of creativity and not only of consumerism. It means the development of fashion, the transformation of industry from one which is linear, always taking and always throwing away, into one which is circular, constantly reinventing and innovating, not just extracting— a different, more nourishing kind of growth. Maybe we should talk about regrowth in fashion. The work of environmental science towards more sustainable fashion is complex, as it should be, working for our magnificently complex Earth. We are faced with a complicated mass of different but interconnected environmental considerations. We can't leave saving the planet to citizen consumers and their purchases alone. Rather, it must be a whole ecosystem of people, brands, and governments working collectively. There's no use seeing one specific, singular answer to how fashion can be more environmentally responsible, no fruitful quest for the thing that will fix everything even if we did nothing else. Instead, the golden solution is looking broadly, holistically. We need to address the major emissions tied to the scale of fashion, to fossil fuel production, the rearing of ruminants for leather, wool, and cashmere, and our industry's energy production all at once— But we also can't be locked into carbon tunnel vision, the dangerous way in which we sometimes strive for net zero, for drastically reduced emissions, while ignoring biodiversity destruction, the pollution of soils, skies, and seas, how poverty, inequality, racism, speciesism, and classism contribute to our overarching environmental crisis. Essentially, we can't fall into the trap of seeing sustainability as some island of a thing, when everything on our planet touches, interweaves, and alters the others. We need degrowth. We need clean energy. We need to change the materials we use, and we need to work towards these all together and simultaneously in a broad and diverse web of people dedicated to life on Earth. 
Ironically, much talk of sustainability and the environment lacks life. It lacks a connection to nature, to land, to insects, to animals, plants, and fungi, to who we are. The kind of connection which indigenous communities have fostered and which we have at best ignored and fractured and at worst decimated. This is being remedied now in large part by a growing chorus of young indigenous black and brown people, often women, who are refusing status quo discussions of the environment which do not look at the whole. They recognize we don't just need lowered emissions and more protected lands, we need climate and environmental justice, the unpacking of environmental racism, neocolonialism, objectification of individuals, and a Western view of environmental abundance as nothing more than a richness of resources for profitable extraction. The hyper-capitalistic, human-led fall of our natural world is not just a loss of resources, it's a loss of life. And when we talk about life, we have to talk about ethics. You just listened to The Fallacy of Animal Rights versus Plastic Apparel, Why We Need to Reframe Ethics in Fashion, Part 2, by Emma Hawkinson at goodonyou.eco. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson, and if you're interested in other similar episodes, Just search for Good On You wherever you listen to the podcast, or if you don't have a search field, go to plantbasedbriefing.com slash episodes and use the search field in the top right corner there. And one you may not find, but is related somewhat because in this article, the author talks about how we need to move beyond inefficient and harmful material production, and that it's not only about fossil fuels and animal production systems, but there are lots of other issues, like one being toxic pesticides in many conventional cotton fields, So episode 310, how to cook brown rice the simplest, healthiest, and easiest way, because it talks about cooking brown rice to remove the high levels of arsenic left over from the poisoned cotton fields in certain soils, many in the southeastern or southern U.S. And this author's comments on the quote-unquote natural fallacy remind me of some of the writing of Kartik Shaker in his book, After Meat. And he also talks about it in episodes numbers 549 and 550, Getting Cats Vegan is Possible and Imperative, and 351, Processed is a Useless Empty Descriptor of Food. I've also done a number of episodes about wool. You can check those out. And please share this episode with anyone who might benefit, and thanks for listening.